but today we're going to study water, the symbolism of water, with its spirit, uh, how, how we're using the word water. And it comes from the 44th chapter of Isaiah, where it says, uh, Yet now he, O Jacob, my servant, uh, and Israel, whom I have chosen, thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, who I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thine seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. It puts the imagery of water in your mind. We know just like coming in, I'll give you a good cold bottle of water to drink, how refreshing and nourishing a bottle of water could be, you know. Well, just think that's how his spirit is when he pours his spirit out upon his people. It, it's nourishment to them. It's refreshment. It causes them to grow. It's invigorating. It's regenerating. In this imagery, what it is, it's the spirit. He's pouring out his spirit upon us. In the book of Joel, you remember Peter quoted that day on the day of Pentecost, that he said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Well, here he's saying, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thine seed and my blessing upon thine offspring, and they shall spring up as the grass, as willows by the watercourses. Now, washing of water by the word, and we're looking at the usage of water here is by being the word. Matthew 8 and 3 says, And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thy clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. God's word is obvious in this miracle. But if something requires cleansing, the washing of water by the word must actively present as in it's present in this situation that the word has accomplished this. You know, we're being washed by the word. Uh, It says in Ephesians 5.26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. It gives a better use to that pronoun there when it says it. When uh, he says in the amplified version it says so that he might sanctify the church instead of saying it he says that he might sanctify the church having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word here we see water which is a universal sovereign being used to wash the church to cleanse the church I think that was one of my points yesterday the remission of sins the removal of sins God does not work apart from his word, you know. If he's, he's bound by his word. In other words, if it's in the word, if it's not in the word and someone tells you to do something or bring up something, you have to ignore that because 
God does nothing apart from his word. And that's why Peter said we have a more sure word of prophecy, and that is the scriptures. From the creation of the world to the present, the place of God's word in his work has been essential. In the beginning was the word, the one who became Jesus Christ. And the word was with God, and the word was God. So it's essential, the word of God. This whole thing is about God's word because Satan says God didn't mean what he said. God's word wasn't uh, exemplified of that. God's word was confusing or something, caused a shadow of doubt to be placed on what God said or on God's word. He was in the beginning with God. That word was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. That's John, the first chapter, the first to the third verse. Uh, you want another one? Uh, in addition, the phrase God said is found ten times in the creation account in the book of Genesis, the first chapter. The Bible is God's written word, and as the Father had the word, which is Jesus Christ, which was is the spokesman for the Godhead. Jesus Christ is the spokesman there for the Godhead, and he it was inspired and revealed in him. He revealed the word. That's what Jesus Christ has come to do, is to reveal God's word to us. Many professing Christian churches have pushed scripture to the back burner, you know, and entertainment, other things compose more of the church or more of the service than the actual preaching of the word. You may get a 10 or 15 minute sermonette. It's not focused on the word of God and that's the problem. That's what should be essential is God's word. That's what man shall not live by bread alone but by his word. Into It's kind of irrelevant. It's you know, we might do this or we might do a play or a skit or something else. It's kind of an a la carte spiritual meal. And from it, as if they have the authority to choose which doctrines to swallow and which ones to refuse. In that, we see some Christian faiths and preachers and things. And you hear them preaching and talking about the blessings of God all the time and the prosperity but they never talk about the curses and the things would happen if you don't obey the word of God. And it leads one to believe that it's a lopsided building up of the church, and that's the problem Christianity has now, that they hadn't lived by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. It causes an imbalance in the flesh, an imbalance in the word of God, or in the church, or in your life. If the true church is to do a work for God, it must be established and built on God's word rather than on tradition. Uh, we have some people that then incorporated holidays like Christmas and Easter and other things around and had kind of taken over what the word actually says because none of that's in the word of God. But that's some of the proofing for people that think that they're children of God is those holidays um, Ephesians 5 25 and 27 I 
wrote that down. I was going to try to go over that. I was, like I was telling you, I had so many things I didn't know where to start without my notes. Uh, it says, Husbands, love your wives. Seek the highest good for her and surround her with caring, unselfish love. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify the church having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word of God, so that in turn he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy, that is, set apart and blameless. And that's every man's focus for his wife, to present her in the best light, in the cleanest cleanest light and he, he gives more for her than he do himself and just as sometimes we don't realize that that's what God does for us spouses, children and other people don't realize a lot of times what the one that loves them actually do for them and it's not a reciprocal relationship but the washing of the word bringing us into unity of one if we're doing that and not focus what the other individual is, we'll get to a place of unity better and faster. In 1 John 1 and 7, the apostle writes that we are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Now, see, that's why I said we have to have teaching. Both statements are true. They're, they're not paradoxical statements. They're not a contradiction one of the other. We are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. But the cleansing found here in Ephesians 5.26 is a different kind. It's a different kind. That's why we have to learn the Word of God that both of these is applicable. Both of these apply. And Hebrews 9.22 says, Almost all things are purged by blood. That is, almost all things. It says almost, but not everything is. There are some things that must be purged in another way. There are some things that are purged in another way. Everybody heard yesterday's sermon, there must be a Manasseh before there is Ephraim. You hear yesterday's sermon? See, sometimes you have to go through some situations, some things is paramount in our lives to purge other things out, and that's what we're going through through a lifetime is a refining process a washing, a cleansing in God's word is what carries us through that. Um, there, are th- there are things, uh, Ephesians 5.26 tells us that we are cleansed with the washing of water by the word, which is true also. Uh, like I said, this is the teaching that we're focusing on being cleansed by the word of God not by the blood here okay there are things that will be cleansed things in our mind things that deal with conduct things that have to do with character and attitude that are cleansed by the water and that's what I was telling you yesterday about Manasseh we have to be cleansed by forgiveness we have to learn forgiveness we have to be a forgiving people in having a forgiving attitude, a disposition that is who we become. That's what the Word is doing 
It's forming a new nature in us. It's writing these laws upon our hearts. That's what's watering us. That's the nutrition that we're taking in. Just like a tree takes in through photosynthesis and through life, it takes in, car- it lives off carbon monoxide, the different things that we exfoliate, that we breathe out or whatever, but what it takes in and the water and the nutrients that it takes in, it also transpires. It takes pushes out water through evaporation or whatever. Trees through evaporation give out just like we. When If God's pouring water, if he's pouring his spirit upon us, we should give out of that spirit that we're receiving in. We're to give it to others. We're to be flowing in dry places where the word is not preached, where it's not taught, where it's not spoken. We bring that watering of the word. We bring that with us. The he that believeth upon me, as the scriptures has said, he says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living waters. That, that's not what he said in scripture, is it? So that's what should actually be happening. That's why I say the word, the word of God is what's doing a washing and purifying and cleansing here. The word water here is symbolic. The referring to the word of God as well as to the Holy Spirit. It refers to both of them. And I told you about that one time before when one word means two different things. Christ gave us a long discourse in the book of John, the sixth chapter, which we often apply at Passover time about eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood. But we had to do that. That was one thing that we had to do. But towards the end of, in, in that audience, when he was about to be crucified, as he's speaking to them, though he says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The very words that I speak, they are spirits and they are life. That's John six sixty three. So if that if we assimilate his word, if we take that word in, and that's what I say, it's too many people in the church that's hearing the word, but they're not assimilating the word. In other words, they're not becoming the word. You have to become the word just like Jesus Christ became the word. The word was made flesh, and the word dwelt here among us. So as fleshly beings, we absorb the word and we become spirit as he was. We're spiritual, spiritual man. The word is what sanctifies us. It sets us apart. So when Joseph took in God's word, when Joseph was walking in God's word, he fled from Potiphar's wife. Joseph said God had given him Manasseh. He named his son Manasseh because God, it helped him forget. Because if you don't forget, you remember what we said, when you stand praying, forgive. If you had art against anybody, if anything has happened, not that somebody asks you for forgiving, but if you even think about it in your mind and realize that you have art against your brother, that you have something against somebody, you forgive. And as you forgive others, he'll forgive you. But if you don't forgive others of their trespasses against you, God won't forgive you. So those words, the word necessarily has to be written on your heart because that's what you're meditating on day and night. But if you're so busy talking with people all day, watching television and, and 
incurring uh, hooked up in the things of the world and the love of the things of the world and not meditating on him day and night, you won't be shaped and formed in his image. That's what it says in the book of Psalm about the wicked and the people of the world. It says that God is not in all of their thoughts. God has to be in all of our thoughts. His word has to be there. That's what we're becoming is the word. That's what we are assimilating his word. And that's why you, he, he speaks it metaphorically in an analogy. He, tells, he says, eat the roll, eat the whole roll. In other words, consume all of the word of God. We have in the Bible the word of God, and Jesus says that it contains power. And I'm tired of people, in, it, once you start forgiving, once you start having the word of God applicable to your life, you become fruitful. You'll start having power. But the Spirit, the Word of God, the Bible shows us how to a use of that power. How do we become sons of God? In other words, the Spirit gives us the ability to become the sons of God if we're led by the Spirit of God. We must know that the Word says we must have humility, though. We must be humble people because that's how Jesus Christ our master was. But the word is contrary to that. We live in a very violent world, a very defensive world, a very independent world. And here we are. He says, keep them in the world, but keep them away from the things of the world, the wickedness, the evilness in the world. Uh, it has power to cleanse a person's mind because we can think only by what goes into the mind concepts that are contained in words. So that's why I say, looking at a lot of horror pictures and love pictures and different scenarios or whatever, that's not whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. And that's why sometimes I get in the middle of a movie, a television program, and I have to switch it off or whatever because it's placing the wrong thoughts there. It's showing something overcoming a conversation that's not conducive to the Spirit of God, not in what shape, and that's why we have to cast it down imagination, everything that exalts itself against the Word of God, other things of God. Words are merely symbols of ideas that we use to reason, so that's why with the, some of the rap music or some of the music that has the lyrics with the foul language or the degrading words or we talking foolish talk or whatever. If that's part of our being or who we are, doesn't that has to have to get purged out? Yes. Purged out of the body of Christ? See, so God has to purge that in some way. And that's why I say that's why some of the consequences and circumstances come our way because each and every day there are things that we're not overcoming. We turn our ideas into actions, actions into conduct, which become part of our character and part of our attitude. And that's why our young people and a lot of our old people are just like the world. That's what has shaped and formed them. They would say, I was born in iniquity. I was shaping in sin. I was shaping in iniquity. You can't let this world be, you can't conform to this world. 
You need to be transformed. You need to break out of the world's mold. The world has a mold that is trying to put you in, and a lot of us trying to fit into that mold. But we have to realize that the matrix, where we are being formed that, that's not of God. This world is against God, is antagonistic to God. This is Satan's world. Satan is the God of the prince of this world. In other places in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is compared to water or to oil. To water or to oil. But both of these have revitalizing, nourishing, cleansing, and purifying and sanitizing properties to them. We are familiar with how we use water to cleanse things. And water, as I earlier said, is the universal sovereign. You use water for everything. Some things you can use oil. We remember the Good Samaritan when he treated the man's wound. It says, but at, on uh, the Samaritan treated the man's wound with oil. That's in Luke ten thirty four. It had a purifying effect upon him. And the scriptures talk about anointing one with oil, of being with anointing oil. Therefore, we are washed by the water of the word of God in conjunction with a new nature that he has given to us by God through his spirit. That's the water that he had poured upon us. Maybe Wednesday or maybe in another teaching, and I have told on it before, about the sprinkling of water that was spoken of in the book of Ezekiel. But when we're talking about water in that context, when we're talking about the pouring of the water, we're talking about his spirit being poured out upon us. We're talking about an infilling, a revitalizing spirit that flows. This begins to help us to understand why studying the Word of God is so important. And that's what I consistently try to drum into y'all. You know, I keep hammering that. Study. Study to show yourself approved. Study the Word day in and day out. Study the Word. We need those words in us so that we can think according to them. And if we believe those words, which is God's words, they will begin to purify and cleanse the way we think. Those thoughts start being what? Like God's thoughts. Because our thoughts are not like His thoughts. We have to think in a baser way sometimes. In a lower way. Not exalting ourselves, but lowering ourselves. Humbling ourselves. It was Joseph, I told you, that he was forgiving and forgetting his brothers, but they were carrying around the issue about him being mad. He never brought it back up. When we carry around these grudges and bitterness and uh, unforgiveness and all of these things, it becomes a weight and a sin that's besetting us. But the Word of God should wash all that away because it tells you what? To feed your enemy, to pray for him. Well, if you're praying for someone, it's very hard to hate that individual. If you praying for, and then you have to cast your cares up on God. So we should tell God all about it and remit those sins or remit that unto God and forgive Him as He was on the cross. I told you yesterday, whooped with a cat of nine tails and and was beaten, you know, just beaten mercifulness. He hadn't did anyone anything, but He still said, 
Father, forgive them. for. So if he couldn't forgive people for murdering him, God had turned him over that they murdered him. So if he could forgive them, just tell me, what have someone done you that you can't forgive that individual? That should get all washed away. It should get flooded away. After those things get flooded away from your mind and from your hearts, if it's from the heart, it's like Joseph. Then Ephraim comes. Then fruitfulness comes. Joseph was second in command for Pharaoh. Because those things wasn't in his mind. Sexually, when Potiphar's wife asked him to come lie with her, he didn't say about getting caught or anything else. He said, how can I do this, first of all, and sin against God? See, if God in the foremost of your thoughts. Then he said, my master had put me in charge. Nothing is not in my command except you. See, God's word shows us the exclusion that we shouldn't covet after someone else's wife. We shouldn't lust after other things or covet anything. See, God's word directs this and washes all of those impure thoughts out of our mind. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, think on these things. And that's why we should be meditating on this word. What is a symbol of God's Holy Spirit? I wrote this one down good, uh, but I'm getting so forgetful. Psalms 1, 1, 2, 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of sinners, nor sitting in the seat of the scornful. I got to buy me one of these. Uh, I can't get Sister Jackson's all the time because, like I said, this is, this is, this is super. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doeth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Did we read that whole song? One through three again. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, not listening into what the crowd or what everybody else said, not even if can help or be not going along with it. When we say not associated, it's hard not to associate with the world. But when he says walketh, that means living or dwell in that presence or whatever. He says, nor standing in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. So that those habits... Those bad habits are away from that individual. But he says, but he delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law do it he meditate day and night. And what is his law? His word. So he meditates day and night in that. And he said, and he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. When we were talking about earlier, I was telling you about trees, and he tells us that we should be tree, trees of righteousness. There's a lot of characteristics of trees and the simile for trees of we being like a tree. And you know, a tree that's planted by the water, a plant that's planted where it can absorb those things, but the other thing, it has to get light. There's a drought going on in a lot of places, so water is a necessary thing. We're 98%, what the body, human body is, 90-some percent water. We need water. Dehydration is bad. I telling you... Uh, you have to have water. Water invigorates us. So the spirit is the same way. It invigorates us. 
He says, he shall be like a tree planted by the water that bringeth forth its, his fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he shall do, he shall prosper. Notice that Joseph prospered in all he set his hand to. That Pharaoh seen that God was with Joseph and that Joseph was very prosperous. But Joseph was a very forgiving person. He says, you might have been it for evil. But we know that all things work together for good. So when people despitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you, don't we should pray for that person? Don't we should not let that get to us? But it's hard to do that. It's easy for to sit here and say an amen and, and have it at the word. But can you actually do that? Can that be who you are in, a, in, in living color? In other words, in actual life when it comes after you? Insights from this passage is that this tree representing an individual among God's people is planted. We have to be rooted and grounded. Notice that the word, when the sower sowed the seed, that which was sown in good soil, it attached roots to something. We need to be planted in God's word. We need to be planted in a church. I was telling my nephew last night that you have to be in a church, a group of, a body of believers, because if not, you're going against the very word of God. You need to know when you're going against God's word. Because you can't prosper or progress going against what that God had said. Now, now this, it does not spring up from a seed dropped by a bird or blown by the wind. Those, those trees, and you notice weeds are different things, they sprout up very fast, but they have no root. They have no 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 thing in them they're useless so this is something that was planted by God God said he was going to pour out his spirit this is something specific this just isn't something capriciously done he he gives his spirit the Holy Ghost saves whom it will it's, it each it's designed that way God has a chosen people there was a people that was given to Christ that he's responsible for the planning implies purpose. I was telling him and I tell you, there's a purpose for you in life. I was telling Deacon on the way to my, my house that there's a purpose for everyone in the church. Some people are supposed to be taking care of computer needs, maybe, of the amplifier system, the music, or the sound system. And the deacons in the church are, are the hands of the preachers there given to do things. We have a work in the purpose in the church. Some of the elderly or younger people or different people, the gifted prayers that they, they can pray through. You have to have that group of prayer. That's what Spurgeon said was the power of his ministry, the people that would pray. Praying is a pretty rough job. It's, it's a pretty hard job. Notice how easy it is to get distracted when praying or the state focused up on prayer. Plus, your life has to be cleansed because just as I was telling you earlier, if you come to God and you hadn't forgiven your brother, it says you go back and get right with your brother and then come off of your offering and come pray to me because as you forgive others, that's how I forgive. So you can't get your prayers through because you have a sin or something that's blocking you there. 
you have something and God's turning his face away because as the servant that God had forgiven all of that debt, but someone had transgressed him in a little area. And he called him and says, pay me what you owe me. And he said he was going to cast the guy into prison and sell his people or whatever. But this was a payable debt. And God came and says, you wicked servant. So God sent the torturers to torture him. It didn't say that servant was lost. Look, read 1 Corinthians. I think it's 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, 1 Corinthians. See, that wasn't a lost person. That, that was a saved person. It's a lot of people in church saved, but you're having problems. Why am I having so much problems and things in life? Sometimes you have to make a correlation. How are you living? How are you treating other people? Or what are you doing? Are you living by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God? We have to be careful how we build. We have to be careful of what we're doing. We have to be very careful. It says, And our brother could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and I gave you the easy part of the word. I've given you repentance, and I've given you things to put you in a proper perspective. He said, but you're still acting like carnal Christian, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. In other words, you hadn't got yourself in a position that you could prosper that you could be in sanity. This church thing fell out of existence or whatever. See, because you couldn't fall out of a proper perspective. And you remember Lot? Doesn't the Bible refer to Lot as being just or righteous in the book of Peter? But do you remember that Lot was a very wealthy man but that wealth was lost? He fled out of Sodom and Gomorrah with just the clothes on his back. He lost a lot of his children back there. Only two daughters escaped with him. He lost his wife. The righteous shall scarcely make it. He scarcely made it out of there. You remember all of the wealth and possessions Abraham had? Abraham had that and more, and he was able to tithe. But Lot, it doesn't say much more about Lot than just that Lot was just but Lot lost all he had. The prodigal son, now he was saved. He went back to the father. He was forgiven. But he had lost his inheritance. He no longer had an inheritance. He no longer had anything coming to him. He says, for you are carnal. For whereas there's among you envying, strife, divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men, not children of God? You striving with one another, strife, there's envy. For what while one saith I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos and yet I'm are you got preferences of preachers and not preferences of hearing the word of God? Paul was saying he wasn't anything, Cephas wasn't anything, Apollos wasn't anything. Whom that is Paul, who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believe even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted Apollo's water, but God gave it the increase. You understand that? He says, 
So then neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watered, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planted and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward for his own labor. For we are laborers together. And as that verse that goes on throughout that chapter, he says, For no other foundations can a man lay, he says, but be careful how you build. Now if any man build upon this foundation of gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. God's going to test the way you live it. Each and every day is testing the way you live it. You may not have nothing left, but you shall be saved. Everything else is going to be burned. He says, uh, the Lord knoweth those who are his. He says, uh, wait a minute. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he had built, thereupon he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, so as by fire. That's how Lot was saved. Lot was saved, but he didn't have rewards. Are you losing because you're still carnal? Are you you hadn't been washed? He's looking for a bride that without a blemish or a spot that doesn't have envy and jealousy and resentment and bitterness in it, that has the works of the fruit of the spirit and not of the flesh. So the water is what washes these things away and cleanses them and have you able to stand before the Lord. Who would, uh, John 44 teaches that we do not come to God of our own accord. In fact, no one can come to Christ unless, unless the Father draw him. When talking last night, and I witnessed to the guy that had towed me home, and I was witnessing to my nephew. But I know as much as you witness, as more much as you try to water the dry grounds that those plants and the people around you, they can't come unless draw God draw them. They just can't come to God. As an older man told me once before, you can't go to God. God has to draw you. Jesus has to show you the Father. You can't just go to God. He calls each person and directs his or her life, planting each where he desires. And any tree, huh? Any tree that the Father hadn't been planted, that the Father hadn't planted, shall be hewed down at the root. So like I said, you could be blown and tossed about by every wind of doctrine. But wherever you are, if God hadn't put you there, you shall be hewn down at the roots. We're trees of his planting. We have to see that. He plants each tree by rivers of water which nourishes and sustains it. Water, of course, is a common symbol of God's spirit throughout Scripture. You remember I told you water throughout the scripture is symbolic of that spirit. So if God in his wisdom plants us in the right spot and gives us plenty of water, we can guess what will likely happen, huh? 
that there will be growth. That, that, but something's wrong if there's not growth. And it's not with the word. It's not the watering. But, but we have to examine within. Are we carrying something that we should be burning up? See, it says with fear and tremblings that we have to work out our wants. Is it something wrong with me? My doubts and things are where I am. That's where we be pleading to God. That's where prayer comes in. That's where we pray to God. That's where we ask him to show. And when he shows us us by his word, we have to actually take an action on that. We have to do something. It, it is his spirit working in us. And by faith, it actually works in us both to will and to do. But it, we have to overcome self. Because by faith, we know what the word of God says. But being a doer of that word is something else. We have to die to self. Self's not going to want to do it. You want to hold on to those vestiges of that old man. But they must die. We have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. The remission, the removal of sin comes through taking heed to the Word of God. That's the only way we can do it, to wash it away. It's like washing powder, the phosphorus in washing powder that it attaches itself to the dirt particles to pull the particles of, of dirt out of the out of the laundry. But you didn't throw the load of clothes in the washer and you just sprinkle it. And when you, you dry the clothes and everything, you or your wife smell them and say these clothes are not clean. Why? You didn't put enough washing powder in. You didn't put enough soap in. So they're half clean, but they still stink, don't they? Mm-hmm. They still have that vestiges of we got to get it all out. We need to put some more in there. Unlike the fig tree in Jesus' parable that failed to produce fruit and it's cut down and thrown in the fire, Luke chapter thirteen six to nine, John fifteen and six, this divinely planted tree bears fruit in its season and it gets older it bears better and stronger and sweeter fruit it bears fruit into old age you know some olive trees live thousands of years see it may be some of those olive trees around in the garden of Gethsemane of where Jesus Christ was olive trees live a long time it produces the good works God planted it to produce. John 15 and 8, Ephesians 2 and 10. That's the purpose He put us here for Sister Jackson. He created us for good works. My brother? Yes. We are here to do good works and we know what it's required of us to do. Why are we doing those things? Why? Like the tree of life in the book of Revelations 22 and 2, the leaves on this tree do not wither. The process God puts in his trees through produces not withering and death, which is the natural course of things, but growth, productivity, and life. That's why he put Adam and Eve out of the garden, it states in the book of Genesis. He says, let's put them out of the garden, lest they eat, they eat of the tree of life and live in this condition. So there is a tree, this tree, the Word of God. We can live forever in eternity, but He don't want us to have the knowledge of evil. 
it has to wash away evil. And see, that's what he said in the beginning, that he says, not eat of that tree. So if we hadn't ever had a known or required a knowledge of evil, but now that we have, the blessing is to, for God to be able to wash all of those things away. All of those memories of rotten and pain and decay and killing and murder and hostilities, all of these are washed away and cleansed, only pure thoughts, only the kingdom of God. There's no hurting in God's holy mountain because no one has anything against anyone. There should be nothing wrong in the God's holy mountain. Uh, the psalmist proclaimed that this person who is like a tree will prosper in whatever he does. It was like Joseph, he prospered. But he had to have a Manasseh because he says, it had helped me to forget. See, by being, being mad, and the brothers came to him and said, Daddy said, after Daddy had died, said, Daddy said, don't hold what we did against us. And Joseph said, am I not in the place of God? It was their conscience bearing on them. They had a guilty conscience because they had known it, they had did wrong, but Joseph didn't seek them out. They came to where Joseph was. Yes. Joseph had forgotten the matter. You know, sometimes we say just forget about it. If we say forget about it, that means it's not that we're not human that we're able to forget, but that we're not holding it against you anymore. When he said he had blotted out our sin, well, if I keep bringing it up to you, I hadn't forgot about it. I had Joseph blotted that out. God blots out our sins. God blots out those things. Well, if he had forgiven us, how can man not forgive us? Why we keep thinking about it. See, that's what causes cancer. That's what tortures us because you're sitting there angry overnight trying to be, how can I get even? How can I get this person to do that? And the Bible tells us to be angry and sin not, but not let the sun go down on, on, on that anger, on that wrath, because if it does, you go lay there and it's going to fester. You'll think about it day in and day out, and a lot of time a root of bitterness grows there. You get to the point where some people hadn't spoke to one another in years, and the Word of God hadn't washed that out because you disobedient to the Word. You not obeying the Word his mother told him at the feast, he says, whatever he say do, do it. The gist of the psalm does not imply material prosperity, land, houses, or cars, or jewelry, or cash, but spiritual long-term success. You know, you could be successful without a whole lot in life. You could be successfully successful without wealth and popularity peace and joy and happiness and a state of mind and not possessing every notice that Jesus didn't have all of these possessions or whatever that he depended upon the giving of the people that were following his ministry he says the foxes have dens and the birds have nests but the son of man has no way to lay his head ultimately he means righteousness rulership and eternal life in the kingdom of God. Revelations nineteen seven through 8 says, Let us rejoice and shout for joy. Let us give him glory and honor, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. At last his bride, the redeemed, has prepared herself. 
Notice the preparations. In other words, she's gotten herself ready. A bride does a lot of work before the wedding. She has to work to, to wang that dress down the aisle and all of the preparation. We see the end result of what has happened before this wedding. It says she has been permitted to dress in fine linen, dazzling white and clean, for the fine linen signifies the righteous acts of the saints, that is, ethical conduct, personal integrity, moral courage, and godly character of believing. All of these things are displayed in the symbolism of them wearing white. You know, it's a lot of people be talking about, well, she shouldn't wear white, or we can't wear white because of some other things. But if God has cleansed you and purged you, you without a blemish, they're entitled, it says, they've been permitted to wear this fine linen. And that's what he wants to do, get your virginity back. He wants to present you. Paul says that his task was to present us as chaste virgins. In other words, we in allegiance to Christ and him only because what had happened in chapter 44 of Isaiah, these people were given to idols. They, he says no more of this. He says, thus, I'm the redeemer. I, redeem, I the Lord of hosts, have redeemed you. I am the first and last. And as you go on, he tells about the they that make a graven image are them are all vanity and they are detestable and shall not profit. And they carve out idols and continue watching that. But that's what he rescued us from and he washed us and cleansed us from that. Abraham was from moon worshippers and Ur of the Chaldeans way, but he separated Abraham unto himself. God calls us out of the world and separates us unto himself. He says, uh, Revelations 20 and 6, Blessed and holy is he that had part in the first resurrection, on such the second death had no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. He's putting us in a position to be priests and kings and rulers with him. We shall rule and reign with Christ. He's talking about a chosen people, a particular people. He's not talking about everybody. This is the first fruits. This is the church. We need to pursue that line of thought. Why is that? It is impossible. Uh, where am I at here? Notice that the psalmist write that the per- blessed person shall be like a tree. Uh, it is, why is it? Why is that so? Is it possible that if we adopt specific attributes of a tree, we like the blessed man can avoid sin, delight in the law, and prosper eternally? See, we need to start thinking about those things, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Bring every thought into the captivity and obedience of Jesus Christ. That's by being the transforming and the renewing your mind in the Word of God. Turn not to the right nor the left, but follow that narrow path. Uh, it says trees get 90% of their nutrition from the atmosphere and only 10% from the soil. Humans receive physical nourishment from the soil through the food it produces, but we get our spiritual nourishment from God through his Holy Spirit, through the air uh, on the wind, as it were. In other words, through preaching and teaching and through other ways, his spirit enters into us 
that's what's really vital. That's the necessary food that we assimilate that and take that in. If we wish to think of the Holy Spirit like water, we can imagine the trees receiving nutrition when leaving rain, when falling rain thoroughly soaks in. And you've seen that how everything's looked dry, but after a nice rain soaked things up, how though you can smell, you can see, and they just soaking up that rain, it vitalizes them. That's the image you need, that the Spirit vitalizing us, rejuvenating. It's a regeneration. It's a refreshing. It's strengthening, invigorating us. We can think of this in no other way. And I mean, we can think of this in another way. Jesus is the vine of the trunk. You know, I may say he's the vine and God's the husbandman and we are the branches that grow off of it. That's in John 15, 1 and 5. He puts us where he wants us on the tree and we should be content to be there. You remember I said each person have a place in the body of Christ. He had chosen those out. As head of the church, he feeds us to prepare us to produce the fruit he desires of us. John 6.45, Ephesians 4, 7-24. And I went through that details about the tree absorbing water and it, it the air and thing it evaporates the water back out it places more water back into the air I can give you some numbers there if you just want to but you can read and study here a large tree through transpiration can lift a hundred gallons of water a day and discharge it into the air through evaporation an acre of maple trees can put as much as 20,000 gallons of water into the atmosphere each day. That's why we shouldn't be cutting all these trees down. Man, he has put us here to take care of the earth. But we are destroying the earth. And as we build all the buildings and the concrete masses and things, that's why you say you have climate change because with... Well, I don't want to get into that subject or whatever, but there's detriment there. We were put here to take care of the earth, but we are destroying that which God given us. And he said he's going to destroy those that destroy the earth. Uh, born again of the God. John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God, right? Now that water is used as a symbol word, but it has two meanings there. It could mean two different things. We need to consider that Jesus also uses water in a figurative sense, not just literally. He wasn't talking literally, but figuratively in John 3 and 5. To what then does this he refer? Uh, John 4, 13 and 14 lets us in on a little something here. Jesus says to the woman at the well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That's like I was telling you before that on the last day of the feast, he says, 
whoever coming under let him come under me and drink, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Well, this water that he was talking to her about wasn't literal water that you wouldn't ever have to drink again. This was a spiritual sense. He's talking in a spiritual sense here. Because she says this water that Jesus speak couldn't be literal. It says, uh, could, where are we at here? It says, because uh, she asked for a drink of it. I'm sorry. John 7, 37 to 39 expands on this. On the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart, in the heart it was the seed of learning, where it says, some virgin says, out of your belly, the place of, of, of understanding, of compassion, a place the newest, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. These verses clarify the Bible uses water as a figure of the Holy Spirit, both in terms of its cleansing properties and of the source of power. Because you remember I said, the words that I speak, they are life, they are power. They, they gives us certain things here. Uh, could Jesus be using water in what sense then in John 3 and 5 when he said he must be born of the water? The Bible frequently mentions the word of God in conjunction with birth and life. Throughout the Bible, he uses it in conjunction with birth and life. Uh, uh, here I'm thinking about on some movie. I'm seeing a woman talking about a water broke. But anyhow, uh, the Bible frequently mentions the word of God in conjunction with life. Psalms 119 and 50 reads, this is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. The word had given him life, the psalmist says. Paul adds in 1 Corinthians 4.15, For though you might have a ten thousands instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Remember he said Timothy was his son, because they were begotten through the word of God. That's how we are born again through the word of God. So when we're talking the water here, the gospel is composed of words. We are instructed in James 1.18, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. Right? That's, that's what it says. He brought us forth. We were brought into being by the word of truth. The, that's the analogy for that. And I think I'm going to have to close with this. I'm getting a little bit long on here. We'll have to finish this Wednesday. Peter makes a, a declaration in 1 Peter, the 26th, second chapter, the 23rd verse. He says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. How were you born again? By incorruptible seed, the word of God. The imagery of God's word also includes the idea of cleansing power 
here and again. And, but I think I'm going to end right there and carry this forth uh, Wednesday night. 